Hello, you're listening to Work From Home, a Lower Street podcast where we help you stay connected, productive and sane whilst working remotely. In today's episode, Harry's talking again to Christine Rowe, a writer and journalist. Last time they asked, what is hybrid remote work? This time they talk about what it actually looks like when it's put into practice from the best to the worst. Harry started by asking Christine, what is the best case scenario for hybrid remote work? So in an ideal scenario, each employee has more power, maybe reducing some of the managerial oversight of people who are in higher positions of power and giving that more to individual employees to decide how to structure their working days in a way that best suits their own personal circumstances. I think what it might mean is that people really prize their time together more than they would otherwise, because if you only see your colleagues twice a week, that time will become quite valuable and you won't be, you know, staring at your screen as your colleague tries to talk to you the entire time. Sure, right. You're, yeah, you might be present. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, right. So I think what it means is rather than seeing the office as the be-all, end-all place where you do everything, you have meetings, you write, you have sales calls, you have social activities, I think that you can see space as being more modular. Like the office is someplace where you go to have meetings, but you see other places as socializing spaces. You see your home as a space for intense focus and concentration. So you can divide your working life into different tasks and different places that suit them more rather than going to the office for every single one of those activities. Um, So that's the ideal scenario and the positive side of things. What are some of the kind of potential negatives or downsides to, to this new approach? Well, a lot of observers are worried about inequality creeping in. I mean, obviously, there's already a lot of inequality in who can work from home, but there might be an exacerbation of that if the people who go to the office more often or the people who are located close to the managers or a head office, they're the ones that top management are going to see more. So they might get an kind of unconscious favoritism applied to them. We see this already to some extent. Uh, I was talking to Uh, somebody at an Indian company who was saying that the people who live near the tech hubs and the prestigious cities, they kind of get considered more for the plum positions than people who live more in the outskirts. And so we want to avoid that kind of thing happening if more people are going to remote work. Yeah, that's something we've talked about on the podcast before, this idea of of basically missing out if you choose to work from home more often or if you're unable you know I hadn't actually thought about it from the angle of you're not able to get to the office as often uh, and so the unfair advantage just being to the person that happens to live closer or or you know doesn't have kids and so is able to get to the office more frequently or whatever exactly Um, that's a big one yeah so is there any proposal of how how we make this situation more fair you know how we make it flatter and and and, um try to remove some of that that bias or, or unfair advantage I've heard a few interesting proposals. So this children's science education company called NanoGirl Labs, it has an office in Auckland, New Zealand, but it has staff scattered throughout the world. So the tendency with a company, which has most of its employees in New Zealand, which is quite a challenging time zone for many people, uh, would be that the New Zealand time zone would predominate. Most of the conversations would happen in New Zealand and kind of get filtered down from there, but they're really trying to work against that. So they schedule calls so that one call might be inconvenient for people in the UK, but the next call would be inconvenient for people in New Zealand. So they're trying to go back and forth between who is more privileged in any particular position, which I think is quite interesting. The other suggestion, although I don't know how much traction it will have, is that 
instead of having calls where some people are in an office and other people are at home from their laptops, it's actually better for everybody to be on their laptop for a video call because you avoid these side conversations that end up privileging the people who are clustered together in physical space. Although I don't think that's going to be very popular though. I mean, for practical reasons, I think those people in an office are going to want to go to the same room together. Yeah, I mean, because that's, so if we are in this hybrid situation where you're sometimes at home, sometimes in the office, you want to get the benefit of being in the office, right? So you want to be interfacing with your with your colleagues as close as possible and getting all the kind of, yeah, the, the kind of, I don't know, I don't want to call it sort of serendipitous stuff, the, the stuff that comes out of a conversation that wouldn't come out of a conversation if you were just looking through a computer screen. That's exactly right. It's not deliberate necessarily. The company isn't trying to advantage those people who are in the office, but a lot of this stuff is unconscious. Absolutely. And then you have those sort of, as you're leaving the, the, the conference room, you just sort of have those like tiny little asides with a, with a colleague that maybe you didn't have the confidence to shout out this comment during the call, but, you know, but it's fine to kind of sidle up to this colleague and say, oh, by the way, I was just thinking X, Y, Z. It's all these like tiny micro kind of actions that will, that will ultimately lead to in the long run, an unfair advantage for the person that's able to be into the office. Are there any other sort of downsides that we, that we might not have considered, or is that kind of the, the predominant one, do you think? Well, there are lots of you know small problems with working remotely that your podcast and lots of other publications have touched upon, like the physical aspects of working from home. Um, the isolation is obviously a big one. Uh, you mentioned also parenting. Um, so remote work can be very good for parents or people who have caring responsibilities, but it can also mean that they miss out on certain key conversations that are happening at certain times. One of the people that I interviewed talked about how we need to get away from focusing on synchronicity. Not everything needs to happen at exactly the same time. And that will help people who have more challenging schedules to be on the same page. One thing that companies are really concerned about now is how they maintain loyalty and a sense of um, employees socializing, because that's quite important to employee morale if they feel connected to each other. So a lot of companies like my own are doing these optional social activities like Zoom quizzes, right? But this New Zealand company, it's actually paying people to participate in their employee quiz, which I think is a great idea in some ways, because I've definitely been that person who just is sick of screens at the end of the day. And even if it's a social activity, just can't bear another one. But if it's part of my salary package, I think that's a really interesting way of encouraging me to maintain connected um, with my colleagues. Right. And not feeling like it's this huge burden of like, oh, God, I've just done eight hours of work at my computer and now I've got to spend another 30 minutes kind of or, you know, an hour or whatever that might be kind of hanging out and pretending to have fun with my colleagues. But if it's yeah, part, of my, part of my salary package, it's much, much more appealing. Yeah, that's really interesting. Are there any other examples of companies that you think are doing interesting things? And, and I love the fact that this is someone that's not in the UK. So it's really interesting that there's kind of a, a spectrum of, of kind of geographies as well as kind of start approaches. I think it makes sense that it's actually a company that's not in the UK because they've had to adapt uh, for a long time, kind of like your own company. You've probably heard about GitLab, which is, I mean, it claims to be the largest all remote company in the world. So they also do interesting things to ensure that their employees stay connected. One thing is that they actually will pay for employees to visit each other for work purposes in different cities, which is a really interesting way of basically encouraging people to meet who aren't necessarily on the same teams or who might be, but also you get a bit of a change of scenery, which is nice. 
That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Hey, if there are topics you'd like us to discuss or people you want us to talk to, then email us wfh at lowerstreet.co and we'd be glad to follow up anything you send over. And also remember to give this podcast a rating and review. It really helps us reach more people. In the meantime, stick around because we'll be back with new content every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Thanks for listening. <laughs>